Live from the Talking Joe Studios, it's Talking Joe with Chief and Chris. Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief. I'm joined by my buddy, Diagnostic 80, aka Chris McLeod, or the other way around, from uh, the Full Force podcast, and of course now, Talking Joe. I should just say from Talking Joe now, shouldn't I? Well, you're part of the furniture now. <laughs> awesome, man. How are you doing? Pretty rough, as oh. you can probably tell from my voice. I have the lurgy. You have the Barry White syndrome. I, I have. Oh, I love Barry White. I'm going to put some Barry White on after this show. I love, love a bit of Barry White. Uh, his, his band was called... Well, he was billed as Barry White with Love Unlimited and the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Not Too Unlimited. So, Don't get confused no, with no. Too Unlimited. But he had two lots of Love Unlimited. So he just loved a bit of love. Oh, he loved it, didn't he? He loves Warus. it. He loves it, doesn't he? <laughs> the Warus of Love, um, which is what they call me. No, they don't call me that. <laughs> I wish they did. But yeah, so this kind of came on a couple of days ago. Ugh. And I worked from home yesterday for fear of spreading around the office and also just feeling rubbish. And then I decided, woke up this morning, actually I'm feeling okay, I feel a bit better. Got into the office and within about an hour of being there, I was like, this was a bad decision. Bloody AIDS, yeah. eh? But, <laughs> but I stuck it out because that's a trooper that I am. And uh, apologies if I do too much coughing and Chris can't catch them all to edit. It's like Pokemon, you've got to catch them all. I'll be catch catching them, them all, mate. I cut everything okay. out. Okay. <laughs> even the good stuff even the vocals out. yeah 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 it's all good stuff what are you talking about yeah so uh apart from that yeah just well not been up to much really um i tell uh, that's a complete lie i watched uh avengers endgame <sighs> do you now, like it do you um, enjoy it i'm a i'm a big comic fan i am not s- as big a fan of the marvel movies i think they're good but I'm not like you know yeah. as deep into them as as some sure. people are i rewatched the, what was the one before? Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I rewatched that uh, like a week before just to get get, get the juices flowing, get back <laughs> in the thing. And, I, I, you know, I, it's okay. It, it was all right. I thought it was, you know, a Joe Average movie. I didn't get what everyone was getting so hyped up about. And so Endgame kind of had not much expectation from me going in, and I'd probably come out saying it's probably one of the top three Marvel movies I've seen. Oh, nice. I, it's really, really surprised me. I thought there were, you know, loads of Easter eggs, um, which only sort of, you know, some of the hardcore fans would have spotted, which yeah. I, I liked. I thought the storytelling and script felt a little bit different. It, yeah. didn't, it didn't feel fully like the previous Marvel movies I'd experienced. I don't know what it was, whether... I mean, they're, they're quite sort of generic in their structure of, of beginning, middle act and end. They kind yeah. of all follow the same pattern. This was something... So I can't put my finger on it, but something was slightly different. Uh, I really enjoyed it. There was only a couple of missteps... Yeah, for the for the chief, and I will call them out. And that was the. Have you seen it? Yeah, it was the Hawkeye and Scarlet and um, uh, not Scarlett Johansson, uh, Black Widow. Yeah. Ha- Hawkeye and Black Widow fight to see who would get to sacrifice themselves. I thought was awful. Yeah, I it was really cheesy and hackneyed, and just didn't work for me. Yeah, I thought the bit where now they've done really well Marvel movies, you know, and they've had strong female leads and you know empowerment of of you know uh, these female superheroes and i'm all for that big fan of that but i think they massively over egged the pudding when captain marvel near the end yeah. has got the gauntlet and then she's suddenly flanked by every single other female character from all the movies combined yeah and that that was her like guard of honor to get her through i think they over egged it a little bit there and the actual that relay 
tag team race to get the gauntlet from one end of the battlefield to the other, from one superhero to another, I thought was pretty poor. And there was one other bit which I didn't like, and I'm st- oh the bit where okay yeah Tony's dead and his funeral spoiler seems to alert just, his, yeah spoiler <laughs> tough you ain't seen it tough <coughs> there you go catch that one um, I'm about and, staying in <laughs> and at his at his funeral it's just kind of a slow pan shot of all these people just kind of lined up you know just to I don't know it just felt overly cheesy um, yeah but but that aside yeah I, I actually enjoyed it yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel very similar for, for what you just said there. Um, I would I, I, the only thing I would say is with the female aspect, it has been noted that they did that on purpose to the point of it being a point rather than uh, a okay. um, you know people like they. I think Feige even knew that it was on the nose, but he he did it literally on purpose, knowing fully well what the reaction was going to be for it. So I'm all for that. The um the other kind of uh, things where well, yeah, I do agree with the in in actual fact, funnily enough, I had to step out for a wee during the uh, Black Widow okay <laughs> Hawkeye fight. So at the point I came back was just as they're starting to kind of like trying to like beat the other one to the edge kind of thing, and so I caught that just as it was happening. So I missed the kind of build up to that little element. But, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, it did feel a little bit... I mean, they, they had to make it quite... I understand why it happened, because they had to make it very personable for both characters, and, and I think that's the only way it could have been done. Obviously, they could have made it less ridiculous in the way that they both go <laughs> at jumping over the edge, but, yeah, it it, it could have... It, we didn't have to have it, egg, like, egg, like stretched out to the point where, you know, he's literally holding her at the end, and it's just like, well... That could have been done with just one jump over the edge. Do you know what I mean? It didn't need like the fifty different like attempts to try and do it. Yeah. Uh, but no, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Brilliant. One of the movie. one of the one of the really cool kind of little Easter eggs um, that I really enjoyed was when Cap has gone. You know, Cap's gone back in time, whatever, and then he's confronted with another version of himself. Yeah, which I thought was that was quite a cool little moment. Um, and that wasn't an Easter egg, but the Easter egg bit was when. He then gets in a lift, yes. which is kind of the scene from Winter Soldier. Oh my god, that's brilliant! But also, also the bit where they're about to throw down, then he says, "Hail, Hail Hydra. Hydra!" Yeah, and I was and like, that I is, was like oh. and that is a reference to a comic book called Secret Empire, mm. which came out last year, I think. Where and caused I, all I, sorts I, of a kerfuffle. Yeah, I haven't read it because I'm not a massive Captain America fan. Yeah, I've I've read some really good runs like the original mark wade run from back in the 90s i really liked and some of the ed brubaker stuff i liked but i haven't read a good run i liked for a long time yeah that secret empire that was where and i don't you probably know more details than me where they had effectively they had effectively suggested that captain america was a, a, a hydra agent from the very beginning yeah and he's only now sort of coming out of a deep 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 cover um and it caused like you say massive uh controversy or controversy and i, I don't know what the resolute what i don't know what the conclusion was was he was he a clone or was he a an alternate captain from another not universe a clue. i'm not sure Actually, i'm gonna that, i'm gonna yeah do some research on that one because i haven't read that comic and also it was it made such a for all but then at the same time these things are always done in comics for you're not not it, it, that isn't the reveal 
like if they're giving that away on in like news forums and and making that a big point that's not the reveal the reveal is going to be yeah. later on in the comic when exactly. it turns out he's not a, a friggin or is it he's even more undercover than that so like you yeah. know people jump to these conclusions not knowing the history behind every single f- story ever made it's it's ridiculous. Like when people go nuts over what Captain Marvel's costume looked like when we first saw pictures from the set. It's like, what right. do you what do you expect? Like, of course it's going to be that, and then it's going to become like the the classic costume you know and love. Like, I don't understand why people go nuts about this stuff from the beginning, knowing fully well all that they're they're doing it on purpose. This is all yeah. done on purpose to get you guys like all up in a tizzy and everyone doesn't re- no one realizes it. It just yeah. goes straight over their heads and they're just like I the don't know world too now, many sheep, too many sheep. Yeah. The world is now just one big ball of PR and marketing and big time. pretty much everything you see in any form of media is 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 done to create a reaction from you the consumer. Even this, even um, this show even this show, you think you like it, but it's actually a load of old garbage. It's a deep cover for. <laughs> We're going to come We're out subliminally and be like Hydra yeah, at the end. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, anyway, yep. So that was my. Uh, uh, what about you? What have you been up to? We've uh, we've we've uh, indulged me quite a bit there. Um, and we've done our review on Endgame. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I've been super busy, and I'm continuing to be super busy because we've got Joe Fest. To, we're driving up tomorrow. It's a ten hour drive. We'll have to go early, and which means I'm running out of hours in this particular day. I'm still um, I'm still working on my Lightfoot Night Force cosplay, which at this stage now I'm just down to painting the backpack and a few other little details. So I'm very very excited to see how that turns out. Yes. On top of that, it's just been like... I mean, I've had a lot of work on, which is great. A lot of freelance work. uh, Video stuff for a Kickstarter that's just gone up. uh, Action Force Kickstarter by Bobby Valor. I did his uh, Kickstarter video for that, so check that out. Uh, We just did a reveal today of the exclusive figure as well, so that's also quite... I mean, not yesterday, I should say, because this is going out tomorrow. Um, And also, Boss Fight, I've just started work with them on their YouTube channel, so that's something I can reveal now. So I've just been... And I've just had to churn a video out for them for something that's coming on Friday. Uh, That's all I can say on that one. So that YouTube channel's up and running. I've got that going. I've got this podcast that I'm recording and editing. I've got the Full Force News Burst, which I'm... I just got up last night. Um, I wanted to get out of the way for this so we could focus on this, but I've also got another episode that's got to go up soon as well. So I'm kind of doing three different editing editing jobs. Um, And I've just been... Well, not approached, but I've just been propositioned with more contractual work. So it's mm. like, oh my goodness! And then obviously, Joe Fest goes till Wednesday. On top of that, I'm working on the Horder app, which H O A R D A R Horder, which is a um, social network for collectors. We've been in the beta phase for uh, quite a while now, probably you know, year and a half coming up to, and we're desperately working on the app to get it ready it won't be ready this weekend but it will hopefully be ready uh very soon afterwards we've got a few more bugs to iron out and then the app should go should launch um very soon and it's looking unbelievably good so i'm ridiculously busy that's what i've been up to in the in a week believe it or not and um it just keeps coming like it's non-stop it's it's get up in the morning work until really really late and then have a couple of hours of sleep and then re- repeat the process so yeah, yeah nice. that's me he's, he's just, just a working man. man 
working hard with his hands. Working nine to five. Or it should be working six till five. <laughs> yeah. My anyway. my ref, my reference was a deep cut dusty roads. Yours was a Dolly Parton. I know mine was a, mine was up there. Mine was like commercial. I'll, I'll leave I'll leave the listeners to decide which one was the best. Okay, I'll play both versions. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I say unfortunately every week because no one really wants to go there, but we do have to go inside Chief's mind. Ah! I I tell you what's really been getting me this week. Um, What's been grinding your gears? Grinding my gears, getting my goat, uh, the monkey in the wrench, all that kind of jazz. People who over-the-top sniff. Right, yeah. You know, everyone, everyone does a little... Every, you know, when they've got a bit of a... Yeah. Uh, a cold weather, but no, not... I'm on the train with people Honkers. who are literally... Like, oh, right, my yeah. God. They're like sniffing up all that, all that snot and all, all that, that junk all back that. up into the... Oh. And I just feel like I need to carry a box of tissues around with me and just hand them out and say, look, do you want a tissue? Yeah, just blow your, blow your nose. nose. Like, I'd rather hear you blow your nose than he's like... And it's worse when you hear the old, you know, the kind of sound as well when they're about to spit it out onto the floor and you're just like, oh my God, this is public. Like, have some decorum, you disgusting human being. Sniffers. Just don't, you know... I don't mind a, a tiny little sniff. It's kind We've of all been... Radar. yeah. And we've all been caught out, haven't we? We've all been in a situation where we've been like, you know, we've all of a sudden we're like sniffling for some reason, yeah. and you you don't you don't have anything at hand. But if you're on a well, train, you've got a, you've got a toilet with a tissue dispenser yeah. in it or a I, toilet roll. I have I have no pride. I don't care. Basically, I have blown my nose on a child's head. Child's head. <laughs> uh, lots of he- uh, dreadlocks are no good for that. So you, you know, nice, nice kind of um, solid matted hair is good for that. No, uh, I carry around. I wear glasses in my back pocket. I carry one of those little small squares, you know, like a glass cleaner. <laughs> so I blow my nose in that. Do not wipe your glasses with it after blowing uh, your nose. Uh, I've actually been known to green lenses. Blow my nose on the bottom of my t-shirt. Classic. Uh, it's going in the wash. What's the problem? Yeah. I have blown my nose on a piece of A4 paper. That is just just when I've you know when there's, a, when there's a lot needs to. It's not good. It's not ideal. But then you can just crumple it up and uh, burn chuck it. it in a bin. Burn, burn it. it. But yeah. um, yeah, you know, there's 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 lots of, of ways out. There's lots of unless you're butt naked, which happens a lot to me in public. Exactly. So you're in trouble. But uh, the rest of us, um, I think we can find something to wipe our noses with. But yeah, sniffers, sort your game out, man. Um, yeah, cool. I was going to do yeah. some sort of like musical end okay. piece to that, but no, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> okay, um, right. We've we've been uh, we've been chit chatting too long without like talking about any GI Joe minutes. comics. Yeah, no. Let's get into this. Cheers. Let's get into this GI Joes. So, uh, if you will recall, last week uh, we both dropped the ball by uh, not completing the special missions. We say dropped the ball, but in fact we left you on a cliffhanger. Even better. Um, so we will start off today by finishing off the special missions two-parter by reading, by reviewing special missions fifteen, and this one is the, like I say, the continuation of the of, uh, of the two-parter where the Joes are in. Uh, is it the Himalaya? Oh, uh, Chomo Lungma. Chomo Lungma. Yes, and they're being. There's a CIA agent which they think they've gone to extract. They're accompanied by Anderson, not the rogue CIA agent. He's he's attached to the Joe mission. He actually wants to off the the, the renegade Esther Hazy. Yeah, Esther Hazy, the renegade rogue um, CIA dude. And they're now they've 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 met uh, Colonel Peng, who's or General Peng, whoever. Um, Colonel. And he 
Colonel, yeah, Colonel, General, whatever. And um, <laughs> the, he is part of some uh, protectorate, and they are after just the, the, the hidden city um, in the valley of the shadow of death. No, in some sort of valley, <laughs> the hidden valley. And um, yeah, it's a firefight, and it, it, all hell's breaking loose, basically. So the, the, when we last saw them, they were around a fire, and they were chatting away with uh, Esther Hazy. And it all kind of went a bit south because Esther Hazy kind of revealed that he knew Anderson was out to kill him. So all the guns start to point point towards the Joes and everything. They're all kind of in a standoff, and that's where we join this new issue. Let's talk about the cover, I think, right, first. Um, pretty yep. beautiful one of Snake Eyes scaling a wall uh, with the kind of with his hand on another grappling hook. Now, in the actual comic itself that this particular scene is kind of taking from he isn't scaling the wall at this point he's he hasn't even started he's at the bottom of this wall and he just like throws the grappling hook and takes out the guy who's about to shoot at them which is brilliant and he's also wearing a winter jacket but again i think on this on the on the cover it's beautiful cover but i think that um they're doing that just because they want people to recognize that it's snake eyes yeah this is a ron wagner cover and um interior is the same crew as the previous part larry harmer scripting herb trimpe pencils andy mazinski inks phil felix on letters and uh neil yomtov on colors but uh yeah and there's a bright bright shining sun or i, I you know I moon i'd imagine the moon yeah it's meant to be the moon um but yeah uh, how, how do you feel I, I thought this issue i thought it was better than the first part i in thought honesty. it was better than the first part because it felt a little bit more i don't want to say not as complex but it felt a little bit more the storytelling flowed better yeah more cohesive definitely more a bit more linear a bit more cohesive um it's effectively just kind of more action and escape escape kind of stuff yeah so peng and the chinese are attacking the monastery in order to kind of flush out you know the esther hazy and his and his other and the other guys and they see that they're attacking the monastery and they kind of have to help the monastery is taken over by peng and his goons and then what we have then is though the Joes and Esther Hazy trying to work out how they're going to attack with a small force. Uh, so they, they decide stealth is the way to do it. And there's this amazing kind of like, because obviously the monastery is right up against this mountain, sheer mountain face. Yep. It's left up to iceberg and snake eyes who have to repel up there. And there's even talk of like, you know, who's the best mountain climber in gi joe and it's well alpine is usually but iceberg's not far behind kind of thing yeah is it larry being very clever in that you know the directive was get iceberg in the comic when larry probably was thinking well alpine would have been better suited to this mission yeah you know because uh one of them says this soldier you call iceberg he is an expert climber and Scarlett says, not really. Alpine is the world-class mountain climber on the team, but he's not here, almost as if I wasn't allowed to use him. Yeah, Iceberg, yeah. Iceberg uh, has one main thing going for him. He's a Joe. Yeah. And also, it's like it's funny how they just... Can, well, no one worries about Snake Eyes ever with anything. It's just like he can do anything. Like The guy is yeah. just the perfect soldier. So it's like there are all the talk and the worry and the concern is on Iceberg. And even Iceberg, when he's climbing it, is like constantly going, oh my God. And then when he gets to the top, he's like, Alpine's never going to believe this. You know, like he's really happy that he's made it. And Snake Eyes didn't even break a sweat. He's just like, yeah. he's done it, you know. It's brilliant. But I love that that sequence of them climbing. It's really, really fun. It's really cool. I, I, and, you know, having to, you know, all the different techniques they're having to employ to get up this really difficult 
face of of the of the mountain it's great yep yep and then um that they're actually going to rescue the abbot aren't they who's yeah. been taken captive and you know they they kind of uh, the bad guys kind of say look he's at the end of a corridor with uh, a locked door and there's two guards and no one will be able to sneak past him they obviously set up the mm. the escape route that's the, the the breakout which is coming um and no, I mean it's all it's all good stuff. It's all fast flowing action. Snake Eyes gets down, does a. I'm looking at the sound effects. It's a zick zack. <laughs> is the two sword strokes that dispatch the two guards. Yeah. Um, not sure if I've ever seen a zick zack before, but I like it. It's a beautiful sound. <laughs> yeah. And th- yeah, obviously they start their escape as well, don't they? In that sense. Yeah. And the, the bad guys, you know, quite often in comics and other media, they're just kind of portrayed as you know, immoral, kind of uh, out for themselves, up to no good, you know, sort of dirty rat kind of things. But here, one of the good guys chucks a grenade and one of the lieutenants or whatever... Sergeant Wu. Sergeant, well, Sergeant Wu, yeah, Sergeant, lieutenant's all the same. He basically (laughs) chucks himself on the the grenade to sacrifice himself for the the colonel, which was, you know, I thought a nice touch. Not that he died, but just showing that, you know, the, the other side, you know, maybe there is no right and wrong. It's just everyone's... You know, try and do what they believe is is the right thing. But, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's true. And then obviously, you know, the the colonel uh, the colonel's very moved by the sacrifice as well. It's not like he's just like, oh, you know, great, get an, I'll need to get a new one. It's like, you know, he's straight away. Your sacrifice will not be in vain. So yeah, yeah, yeah the, totally. The, the the only thing that didn't really ring true, perhaps, was throughout the issue. You know, uh, Agent Anderson has been outed as what his mission was to to make sure that Estesi doesn't come back alive. And right at the very end... There's a kind of redeeming uh, thing here. He des- yeah. On the last page, he decides... To, all the Joes are out. Um, he decides to stay. And, you know, it's almost like it's come full circle. Esther Hazy's gone, but Anderson has kind of done what Esther Hazy did back in the day. Come to this small province or area and end up staying. And now Anderson is kind of assuming that, that role yeah, that Esther yeah. Hazy did. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a weird one, it's a weird 180, isn't it? Yeah, I don't particularly... You know, I'm not oh, this is absolute garbage, this is rubbish. I don't think it's that, but it just felt it felt a little bit contrived. There could have been some more lead-up to that because he, he's been... The whole time he's been this basically this D-bag and then all of a sudden, like, right at this this one panel, it's like, I'm changing my ways and all that kind of stuff. It's like, wow. And I suppose, you know, Esther Hazy sacrifices himself by staying behind and letting the guys get away so he can kind of slow the, you know, the chi- the Chinese down. And unfortunately... You know, we we're led to believe dies, led to believe yeah. we don't know uh, yet. And then, um, of course, like you say, we get the, uh, the the kind of end part with uh, with Anderson. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit a bit of a one eighty and a little bit unnatural feeling. Yes. So let's let's yo Joe this one, this two parter. Yep. I I don't know. I think the second part was definitely better than the first part, but I didn't necessarily feel that it was an essential G.I. Joe story overall. It's like, am I ever going to reread this one? I mean, I probably will because I'll probably reread every G.I. Joe story, but it's not one that I'm definitely going to go, oh, I must go and read that Special mm. Missions two-parter. Yeah. With that in mind, I'm probably going to give it a six. I'm going to go seven, but only because it, I, it's much better than the first part. As one, the first issue I felt was so like light on the actual G.I. Joe characters that there were so many other things going on this is kind of a similar thing but the you get way more gi joe characters doing what they do best 
Iceberg turns out, you know, to be really, you know, important part of the machine. Snake Eyes obviously doing what he does best. Scarlet is really, you know, much bigger part in this issue. And Chuckles as well. In fact, Chuckles has a bit less to do in this one, but obviously he had more in the first issue. So I think that there's definitely more action. I prefer the kind of way they went about the finishing the actual issue. So I'm going to give it more. I'm going to give it a seven on this one for me. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Next up, we have Real American Hero issue eighty-three. Now, Rude pig. I, I know this ends on a cliffhanger, but I'm quite happy to rate this story as a single arc. Okay, sure. And then we can discuss afterwards whether we want to do eighty-four and eighty-five. I think is probably a two-parter. It's quite interesting because this issue does kind of connect not like you know connects loosely to the previous one so it's not a two-parter as such but it's definitely the repercussions of the first issue isn't it yeah 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 so uh, like you say road pig and um you did actually send me a picture of that uh, amazing road pig cosplay oh. so um well, that, i'll, sti- be, I'll yeah. stick yeah i'll stick that up um for this tank d his name is from the final tanks d yeah. and uh, yeah a fitting honestly, name definitely the i think because obviously there are amazing cosplays out there there are amazing cosplays out there but they're not necessarily they don't you know it's not always you're not looking at the action figure necessarily but with road pig oh you just it's like the guy is the exact build you you get the idea that's what he should look like it's just it's exceptional yeah it's great it's great we'll stick it up there so um (laughs) what what are you saying about what are you saying we'll yeah we'll stick it up there stick it up there mate uh, and I'll put it on Twitter as well. So what are you uh, saying to this cover? It's a close-up of Road Pig yeah. swinging his mallet, and he's firing a crossbow bolt, which actually kindly has the property of Road Pig written on it. So uh, yeah, if he ever cute. wants to get it back, people will know. <laughs> well, that's explosive, so I doubt he'll ever get that back. But yeah, he, yeah. Uh, I like it. I think it's uh, impressive cover. Um, it's highlighting uh, his two of his accessories, Three, actually, if you count the shoulder pads. Yep. Yeah, a really, really solid cover. This is covers by Ron Wagner, who's also on interior pencils. Love Barry Harmer's on script. Uh, inks is uh, Fred Fredericks. Colors Bob Shireen. And letters is Michael Heister. Uh, Heisler. Sorry. The main kind of two parts of this issue are Road Pig, who is attempting a jailbreak of Zarana and Zanzibar, I think it is. Yeah. Yep. And... The, the other part of the issue focuses on Zartan and Mindbender, who are engaging in a attack on the Pit 3, yeah. where they believe it to be in the Utah desert. So with the Road Pig story, that's where we kind of come to, and it's in the bar. Now, yeah. I get... Uh, yeah, let's do the Road Pig story first, then we'll do the other one. I get so many, um, I would say, like, Terminator vibes in this issue. One, because when he goes into the bar, all of the locals are kind of, you know, te- te- you know, making fun of him, this huge, hulking, great, almost naked dude. And then obviously, when as we move through the issue, he breaks into a local police station, which is just like in Terminator. And, you yep. know, in kind of very similar Terminator kind of thing. So I think that might have been on the mind with the way this story kind of was drawn and the way it was it was done, like almost like, the Terminator sees, uh, you know, is looking for Sarah Connor. In this, Road Pig is looking for Zorana. And I know it's not, I mean, it's more, it's not as on the nose as that, but it just has that vibe t- to me, you know. No, I agree. I agree. And I also think Road Pig, I don't know if he was 
modelled on Brian Bosworth. But if you, I've just sent you a Google link. Mm. So if you want to have a look at some images, but oh, Brian yeah, Bosworth, yeah. I know who Brian Bosworth is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you, that's the first thing I kind of think of. He was a is a meathead coming out of college, a linebacker. You know, kind Seattle of had that Seahawks. Wasn't Seattle it? Seahawks drafted. Yeah, but he kind of had that similar haircut with kind of shaved. He had colours, kind of lines shaved in his head, kind of like Road Pig does. Obviously, shoulder pad muscled. And uh, I don't know if Larry. It'd be interesting to ask, you know, if he was sort of modelled on Boz or what what sort of era Boz came out. But um, well, that would have yeah. been designed by one of the Hasbro artists because they they did the designs and Larry just bled life into them with the descriptions like the bios and stuff yep, so yep. i'm not sure who designed road pig it might have been ron rudat it might have been someone else i apologize for not knowing off the top of my head yeah cool but like you say um definite vibes though of, of Boz definite Worth. vibes of, of the Boz, and like you say though Halmer Halmer would have fleshed him out and one of the things he has fleshed him out with is a split personality <laughs> donald and road which pig. is yeah. uh, r- really really like it uh you know he's the, the pleasant, well-spoken, upstanding Donald, and then when he... It's like the Hulk. Don't yeah, make him mad. it is. Yeah, yeah, and, big time. And uh, suddenly Road Pig comes out and lays the smack down when required. So just to clarify on that, sorry, this is uh, February 89. So with this being the first appearance of Road Pig, we're kind of given a few details as to the character by the writers in this, in this case, in Larry, um, by linking him with zarana's past so it's like he has obviously had previous with zarana and it turns out that she's called him all sorts of names and been very mean to him because obviously he 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 loves her but it's an unrequited love now that's it's all done very subtly it's almost like we're introduced to road pig but at the same time we know everything about him do you know what i mean like it feels like just by knowing he's got this split personality and has this connection with zarana it's almost like we know this character immediately and that is actually quite impressive after just what three pages yeah very very good writing you know and he his look and his feel you can imagine him being a dreadnought and you know having ridden with the other guys and terrorizing people and like you say that backstory is enticing oh what what, what's the deal here with him Mm. as a rana but like like you say very clever and fleshed him out and there's you know other characters in this run which have had several issues and haven't really had the time or the <laughs> the input to get to know their character yeah. and um so that's you know really n- n- nice to see and good credit to everyone involved because i like him straight from the off great character oh yeah big time and a great figure as well i love that sonic fighters version as well that kind of like crazy orange one it's brilliant right yeah yeah and he's got beef with zanzibar and yeah but when he first sees him boots him in the gut um <laughs> and he's he's like he's not going to rescue him is he? he's going to no, leave him there leave but him then prison. But then he has the um, he's got access to the skiff, or he knows where it is, and so he, he busts out Zanzibar. There's a cool bit here. He's about he's leaving with Zarana. He's he's ridden his bike into the police station, and he's about to ride out, and he's going smell something. He's sniffing actually, but I'll give him a pass for sniffing because uh, yeah, yeah. he can smell the cops. Uh, um, yeah. So obviously it was a bacon smell, but um, yes, yeah. um, just prior to that, we are given a bit more like you know. Uh, I suppose more more info. I suppose from the previous issue, linking it to the previous issue, when Law and Order turn up at this local police station, they want to question Zorana and Zanzibar, but the local law enforcement are kind of getting in the way and saying that we don't we want to run in, we want to run these guys through our you know our kind of authorities and stuff. We want to due process effectively. Yeah. And Law yeah. basically says, "Well, I just want to I, I just want to you know speak to Zorana." 
And also it's mentioned that, you know, I turned a blind eye when you got your guys out of here. So we're told and we're given the information that Mutt and the Battle Force 2000 guys are out of the prison and heading back to the pit anyway. So everything's everything's nice and smoothed over from the end of the last issue. Yeah. But obviously, and, and we didn't, I don't remember seeing Zanzibar and Zorana getting captured necessarily at the end of that issue. Correct no. me if I'm wrong. But no. it's obviously that is implied in this issue. So whether it wasn't shown at the end, but, you know, they're caught, that's what we're led to believe. And that's what happens in, in this run. And like you say, Road Pig crashes into the police station. He immediately rescues Zorana, <laughs> basically has to, because he says he smells the cops, has to release Zanzibar because he can get his air skiff started and they can escape. Yep. And which is effectively what they do. They 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 escape. And like you say... Um, law and order show up but it's too late because they've busted a hole in the wall and they're off and and we will see those guys in a couple of issues time i think around 87 or something like that so mm -hmm. that kind of frees those guys from prison and introduces road pigs so it's a nice little nice little sort of uh, segment of the issue yeah totally and then the other the other half of the issue is all these cobra helicopters flying across the Aspids. ocean aspids that's it that's the, that's the kiddies <laughs> and um they are going to attack the pit and um how are the joes ever going to survive this they've got an inside man not really inside man but uh, uh a man who is giving them information and it is uh captain min and uh, because he has his hydrofoil yeah. which has a cobra radio in it still and he has gone to a payphone on the docks and basically asked to speak to the Pentagon, and he got straight through to them, uh, and got straight through to Hawk. Well, no, I'm guessing he got through to someone, and basically they took his word as gospel, and that starts the ingenious Joe deception, if you will. Yeah, we get Mutton Battle Force 2000 return. Spirit gets kind of pushed off his uh, <laughs> off his seat because they're yeah. in such a rush to kind of like do what they need to do, and it's all very like the Earth moving equipment comes out of the pit. All of the Joes are, you know, kind of, you know, they've got their jobs to do in the dark in Utah to, to kind of do what they're going to do. We don't know what it is, but we've got an idea. And it turns out that they've just moved all of those huts over a mile away and yep. made up a fake base. And obviously Cobra turn up. Zartan's kind of <laughs> off the whole time because he thinks, one, they should have maintained radio silence. Two, they're kind of going in with, they've got the intel but it's not 100%. And he's he's like still kind of like, you know, he's worried that the, uh, the Star Viper that infiltrated uh, was also kind of picked off. So at the same time, he's not 100% sure about the whole plan. And when they get there, they bomb the crap out of what they think is the pit. It turns out not to be. And Zartan kind of, you know, says, well, I'm fed up with this. Let's, let's go. And the, the Joes escape, thanks to Captain Mean, which I think is really a nice little way for him to repay lieutenant falcon and the recon team yeah yeah no some some nice panels during that that assault um however i really like the art in this issue but i'm not sure fred fredericks is the best inker for ron wagner because yeah he's, he's using quite a light line for his inks and i quite like the scratchiness of it but i i do like a bit of a thicker inking line um just to give it a bit more definition but there's some nice scenes here on page 24 where they they bombed it and there's a tele viper who's got a um looks like a metal detector out um and there's a cool pa panel of zartan poking mindbender in the chest yeah if you ever raise your voice to me again i'll pull your tongue out through your left nostril that techno viper going like sure as well like, yeah it's quite funny yeah 
yeah I, re- I really like that stuff so yeah and then like you say uh, hawk pops his head out of a trap door and uh they're basically they've moved these quonset huts a mile across the desert and everything's uh you know free and clear and i guess that's that's a way of wrapping up the you know the star viper having found like you say having found out where the joe base is it would have it wouldn't have sat well if Cobra had have just not done anything about that. Totally, yeah. So this is a way of Larry kind of acknowledging that they knew, they thought they knew where the base was, and then oh no, it wasn't there at all. So okay, fine, that's easy. now free and clear to to not pursue that line again. But um, and then on the last page, you do get actually this cliffhanger of some woman goes to the um, the language center in San Francisco, which is actually a, a secret Joe base, and pulls a gun on Jinx, claiming she is Billy's mother. <laughs> Yes, yes. Continued next issue. But because that kind of one page doesn't tie into the rest of this issue, I'm happy to rate this, you know, yeah. as, a, as a single story. Yeah, you up for that? Absolutely. There's always going to be an overarching arc. You can't get away from that. Exactly. What, what, what do you want to give this one then? I enjoyed it. I liked it. I think it was a nice uh, double kind of story. The subplot was interesting. Um, the, the introduction of Road Pigs really cool and i think it was executed really well i enjoyed the artwork there's that one panel where the the cobra aspids are are just hovering over the the remains of the quonset huts and the troopers are jumping out onto the onto the deck and it's just beautiful that scene who do you reckon that trooper is there's one there with kind of a a yellow backpack and yellow boots Uh, and yellow yellow gloves i want to say i want to say it's a battle android trooper yeah i want to say it's a battle android trooper but i'm not 100 percent sure on that because you don't really see it i mean obviously we've seen the techno viper we've seen tele vipers it's quite nice to see cobra troopers because obviously now we're getting into the viper categories yeah yeah and the vipers seem to have superseded the cobra trooper but it's it's nice to see some old school troopers there big time no absolutely so i'm will i'm going to go ahead and say based on all of those factors this is i want to give it an 8 okay yep that that, that sounds about right i'm going to give it a and the reveal at the end's brilliant sorry i'm going to i think i'm struggling between a low 8 or a high 7 i'm thinking back to last week when we reviewed issue 80 uh, where they're stuck on that island in the Gulf. And I think I gave that an eight. And I'm thinking, would I rather read this again or that issue? I think I'd rather read that issue again. Uh, so on that basis, I'm giving this a high seven. Okay, cool. Now moving on to issue 84 and 85. So looking at the cover for 84, we've got a Cobra Commander uh, being held by the arms by some red ninjas on some pillars with a big Zartan face <laughs> in front of him. It's okay. It's not one of the best covers. I mean, there's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't really do a lot for me. And I know that this is reminiscent of what happens in the issue because it's all about illusion-based kind of stuff that Zartan and the Red Ninjas employ on his, on his like, hut and everything. But at the same time, I, I don't know, it's just a little, it's all right. It's trying to be symbolic, but it's, yeah, it's whatever. And then, as it's a two-parter, we'll just look at the cover of issue five as well. This is Storm Shadow in his new camo gear, basically loading up his compound bow about to fire. I would have preferred this more if it was more like his version two version, because he's, it's basically just Storm Shadow and they've put the digital camo on him. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like the... Right. The, like the kind of round head and everything you kind of need him to be more hoodie okay. in that for me personally 
Uh, it's a really nice cover, though. I do like it, and I'll, I'll get on to why I really, really love that version of Storm Shadow a bit later on. Yeah, and this this is... So 85 is a silent issue, um, which I really like as part of this story, but we'll come on to that in a minute. And 84, 84 is more of the history and the, the, the background of characters like Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes, Zata, and Cobra Commander. It's flashbacks and stuff, so Converging Destinies is the title of issue 84. Yeah, we start with this really nice pic- like image of two Storm Shadows, is what you think. It's, you're thinking it's like some sort of you know, Zen mind state that Storm Shadow is yep. meditating in or something. It actually turns out that Storm Shadow is wearing his new version 2 garb, and as you can see, he's got more of a hood and then a face mask, as opposed to the all-over Storm Shadow type mask that he wore originally as you can see in front of him and that turns out to be billy and what i think has done really well here is obviously billy wears an eye patch doesn't he but the shading and the shadowing that they've done on the drawing means that you can't you don't necessarily pick up on that immediately because of the way it's shaded it just looks like his eyebrow and then the shading over the eye exactly and and that's kind of well, I'll, I'll point out now that Marshall Rogers is the penciler here, uh, Randy, Emblin's Inks, Rick Parker's Letters, Bob Shereen's Colours. But I think this is probably the best Marshall Rogers art has been in G.I. Joe so far. Definitely for faces as well. Yeah. Some of the issues he had during the Cobra Civil War, we, th- we both agreed were perhaps not the best. But here, yeah, I think it's the, the best his art has been, so kudos. I like how they, ex- again, Larry's explaining the reason for the different version figure. So he's basically said that Storm Shadow's got this new costume because he's given his old, you know, his old duds to Billy, which is, you know, quite yeah. a, a good natural way of doing it. You see Cobra Commander unmasked here for the first time, don't you, I think? Yeah, driving his car with his shades on. Yeah, I suppose he's still got shades and a tash, but um, that's a first, which I thought was, um, you know, a lot of masked characters across you know all comics and stuff is it's not many of them stay masked forever and it was i was wondering when i was reading this the first time around will we ever see you know snake eyes real face which we actually will coming up and dest have we seen destro yet i don't think we have i think we see him coming up as well you see destro but he's where he's like wearing another disguise and it but it's not obvious it's like not covering his whole face right yeah yeah. And then Cobra Commander, you know, obviously we've seen him here and it's kind of like, okay, cool. It's, you know, it's, sometimes it's nice to do do the little reveal without it being mm. you know, a big thing. It's a couple of panels, done, move on, you know, then back to back to the mask, which and is quite cool. the reason we see him is because Billy's mom turns up with Jinx in tow as a hostage with a gun to her head. Now, Jinx is obviously, she she knows she doesn't, she felt that the mother wouldn't do Billy any harm. So she's letting this play out rather than just escaping, which I think she's already out of the cuffs anyway. And Storm Shadow kind of hides as they're coming up the stairs. They both know that people are coming. Storm Shadow knows that it's Jinx and she's off balance, so her arms are behind her back, which I I love the whole ninja aspect, but sometimes it just goes so crazy. And then, yeah. and then obviously he zips out of the way as they come through the door. So it's just Billy in there. The mother doesn't recognise Billy, and she's asking where Billy is, and she's going to kill Jinx if she, you know, they don't if he doesn't turn up. Storm Shadow jumps to kind of kill her effectively from the, the from the ceiling, right from the rafters, and Billy realises who it is, and immediately springs to action, stopping the blade from hitting her, kicking the gun out of her hand so Jinx is safe. And then it all come, turns out that she, oh, she realizes it's Billy, and it's like, oh my god, and here we go, and yeah, and th- that's when we start this kind of flashback kind of scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. And forgive me if I'm wrong here. 
the the kind of flashbacks we get from uh, Billy's mum and um, Storm Shadow and Jinx and, and Billy is Cobra Commander's brother was in Vietnam. I'm just going to read us digest this. He came back and couldn't handle it and was a drunk driver and crashed into another car, which happened to be Snake Eyes' family in the other yep. car. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, which was the uh, Snake Eyes going back to issues 26, 27. Um, Storm Shadow would recount that he Storm Shadow uh, Snake Eyes had a picture of his sister that he always used to carry around as good luck. And she was killed in this car crash yeah. caused by uh, Cobra Commander's brother. And Cobra Commander actually blamed Snake Eyes for the death of his brother. Yeah. Well, he he blamed the, 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 the family that was in the other car. Yes. And because they all died, he wanted to take revenge on the only living relative, which happened to be Snake Eyes. Yeah. Have, yeah. have I got that right? Correct. Absolutely okay. correct. I think we get even more details of that crash further along the line as well right okay. so yeah it, it, it's not even finished yet but anyway we'll get to that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and we also get um this zartan pops in as well and so obviously we recall back to those that 27 so it's 26 27 when someone killed the hard master uh with one of storm shadow's arrows and it actually turned out that the assassin was aiming for snake eyes yeah but the hard master had done the cloak of the chameleon um, to pretend to be Snake Eyes. Mimicking the heartbeat. Mimicking the heartbeat. And now that is finally revealed about why Zartan, because we found out in the back end of the 40s that it was Zartan who was the assassin. We now find out the real reason, you know, behind that, because Cobra Commander hired him from a pool hall. Yeah, also forced him to do it, because Zartan decided against doing it, because he just wanted to be... Oh, yeah, that's right. He yeah. wanted to be like this sword smith with the, on the Onihashi. And then, obviously, when that all kicked off, when when Cobra like realised he wasn't going to go going through with it because he had already been there for like a year or a number of years, he'd been waiting outside for six months with bended knee to try and get in the back door, as it were, um, yeah. to get in with the Arashikage or get get close to them. And the yeah, only way right, he could do it that was sword with, dude. He he made all the Arashikage swords, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so that was the only way they could do it. And when a picture was taken when they delivered the sword. Cobra Commander obviously saw him there, realised he hadn't done what he needed to do, and uh, then kind of approached to say, you need to fulfil the contract, or I'm going to reveal who you really are and what you're doing there. And so he was kind yeah. of like, you know, not he was pressured, he was blackmailed into doing it. Yeah, because he'd become effectively a man of honour. He trained under, under Onohashi to, you know, this kind of samurai way of, of, yeah. of honour and morality. So, so he, many layers, he, so complex, he, isn't he it? He turned a corner from kind of like a, a, a hitman, a mercenary hitman in a bar, and he'd kind of come full circle and, you know, gone the way of the good. But like you say, blackmailed into then... He didn't want to disgrace his master, uh, by yeah. his master finding out the truth so he thought the only way to to avoid that is to go ahead with this assassination and then he can go back to you know making swords etc but obviously it never worked out that way i mean this is a it's so many layers very complex it's not just that they're bad he's a bad guy doing bad things there's there's more to it and it's quite interesting that he almost redeemed himself and then he's sucked straight back into it but again he doesn't do anything afterwards to try and change anything so he's just generally no. fallen into that that now interesting bit here because that that zartan story that is coming from a conversation between zartan and fred seven yeah and that comes about because they've gone to they've gone to take him out haven't they they've yeah. gone to his shack 
Mindbender. Mindbender seems to be getting around everywhere these days. He's in every I, issue. <laughs> I like Mindbender because he's a he's a little toady <laughs> who just wants to. He's out for himself. He's always after the glory. I, I quite like his silly get up. Yeah. But yeah, so they go into the shack. Is changing from a Cobra bunker to the petrol station or the gas station, and this is where the the silliness of the to the extent of Zartan's holographic trickery comes in, I guess. Because he M- he MC Escher paintings the entire building, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah. They go in and everything's upside down to start with. And also, why the Red Ninjas there? I don't know that. They're part of the clan. I'm, I'm of- guessing, well, the Red Ninjas, uh, I don't know why. I, I suppose because Zartan has that connection with the Arashikagi, so he, you know, and because he's he's gone rogue, like you know he's got he's in with the red ninjas i suppose yeah and there's a i thought about this bit when he finally well he's he's upside down walking and suddenly he falls so i don't know maybe he was on a ledge or something and then suddenly they flipped everything around i guess it's all just sort of twisted and and zartan's sitting on a, a throne of skulls which i was <laughs> yeah. like i was like where did you get that from and then i thought oh no it's probably actually a hologram yeah it's probably all just bull they're probably and just then, in a room it's about like the danger room in x-men yeah, there's a cool bit where one of the Red Ninjas pulls the, pulls his helmet off and he goes, no, the anti-tamper device, it's plus explosives. And Zions explains that he had all those explosives in the helmet disarmed months ago. <laughs> um, you know, so he's been biding his time waiting. And this is where he then tells Fred Seven about how he met the first uh, Cobra commander and his contract, etc. Yeah. And a, a lot of times exposition in comics can feel a little bit forced or, you know, hackneyed, but... The way they've set it up here, it feels like, okay, yeah, this is how it might play out if, you know, this backstory is being told. It doesn't feel like it's exposition for the sake of it. No, but It's just trying to be crammed in. At the time, it was like explaining a lot of small details that you weren't aware of. It's difficult when you're reading it back after you've read it multiple times already to have that, what was that feeling when I first read this? What was my feeling as I was going through this story for the first time? And I know we'd had some of the information doled out but then there's a couple of bits and pieces in here you're like oh 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 i see so yeah you're right it doesn't feel like you're being forced even yeah. more exposition totally and and the bit it's even got the bit at the end here which I, i'd kind of forgotten about where the the reason that uh, zartan doesn't go you know all the way and redeem himself is because when he goes back to to the cave where he was living with with his master he finds his master has you know committed seppuku, suicide is it seppuku it? yeah um because he has found out about you know what what the shenanigans that zartan's been going on with and basically decided he would take his own life because he felt dishonored and i think that was you know that was the point where zartan went into the mindset of okay fine you know i'm not a good guy i'm never going to be a good guy you know i've lost everything everything's been taken from me i'm just going to be out for myself from now on yeah and then it's all tied together by Zartan leaving in a helicopter and telling yep. Cobra Commander, I'm going to fix that for good. I'm going to get Storm Shadow before he get, can get me. Yep. And you know, how, do you, how? You don't even know where he is. He said, I know where he's going to be tomorrow. And then he flies away in the helicopter. Cobra Commander is like left standing in this vacant building with no roof on it now because it's just been blown off. Yep. And you've got this um, kind of like this paper floating about in the corner of the page that says something about the a museum is about to show some artifacts and then that makes even more sense as there as billy and his mother go to you know kind of get more reacquainted jinx and storm shadow are chatting and he's, he says it's pretty amazing how events seem to come full circle isn't it 
and Jinx says it sure is and then like this the paper boy goes past and drops the same paper with De Jong Museum to show artifacts on it so it's like ah so there's going to be some sort of Arashikage artifact and that's why you know that that's how Zartan knows that Storm Shadow is going to be there so that leads us in nicely to this next issue doesn't it yeah great great finish really clever with the paper like you say uh, being left in both locations you know on the on the page and you're like okay cool there's going to be a showdown because like you say Zartan assumes that Storm Shadow is not going to stop until you know Zartan's six feet under but I think I think in reality Storm Shadow probably has let it go now oh, he's, I don't, yeah, I don't he's, no he's, he's not seeking you know the revenge or the justice or anything anymore he's he's content with you know that's life almost yeah. um but Zartan is of a different mindset that he's going to keep coming for me. I need to get him first. Um, and like you say, that leads into issue 85, which is called uh, SFX. I love the silent issues. I think they're really, really cool. Like some yep. uh, some people I've known in the past have felt shortchanged by it. But I think the way Larry does it, the way he... I mean, the, the first silent interlude, like the first, the, the original is such a kind of marvel of storytelling just visually with panels and all that kind of stuff it's just an absolute beautiful comic and it's iconic and everyone always kind of cites it as their favorite joe comic i wouldn't go that far but at the same time it's a belter and it's one that is always so recognizable because it explains so much about snake eyes and storm shadow in one panel so uh it, it was just great now what i love about this issue and i love love this issue is that it again it's the storytelling visually is perfection. At not one point yeah. am I looking at a panel trying to work out, oh, what's happened there? You know, because sometimes in comics you'll look at a panel and you'll, you'll see, oh, what's happened there? I don't understand how they've gone from there to then this position. Or, and But everything is beautifully paced in this issue. Yep, I agree with all that. I agree with that. And this is, this is actually, I think, uh, Paul Ryan is the artist here, and I think this is the only issue he does of G.I. Joe. But, it's um, a shame because it's bloody brilliant. It's quite a bold decision to, to have an artist who wasn't going to be a regular on the book do such a kind of pivotal, important issue. Mm. Randy Emelin's on inks, Rick Parker's on letters, Bob Shreen's on colours. But um, he does a fantastic job, like you say. And there's, there's, there's real intricacies to the story because obviously you've got Dr- Jinx coming to the museum and it's all about like sound effects. So you can hear her heels as she's walking through the, yep. the kind of the hard floor click 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 and that kind and of continues you, you know you know that that samurai dude is going to come to life don't you even oh totally one. totally even on page one totally quite, yeah and obviously she goes in and she sees the ninja toe of the arashikagi clan it's the sword it's kind of there it's got the symbol on it she sees it she looks at her arm she's got the tattoo on there as well she she envisions sna- snake eyes and storm shadow with the same tattoos as well in in, in her head and then she's just like, oh, my God. And you can see, like, she, she st- staggers backwards, like, it's, yep. the, it's the sword. So then she walks over to the, to the uh, phone booth. There's an old man in there with a, with a flat cap and a, you know, grey beard. Suspect. And obviously, yeah, it's not, you know, we know who that is. And Dave, you can see that the wires are going into her phone that she's using because he's operate he's using the other phone booth that's there. Now, there are other phone booths, so it's surprising that she picked that one. But, you know, that's how it's happened. And he, he's got it, like, you can see the wires going into that phone booth. And he's got this little, it's like a mini laptop behind his his paper. And that is actually giving him the information of the number she's dialing so that he can locate Storm Shadow, who is obviously at the uh, Martial Arts Academy. I like, that. I like that scene where, that panel where he, he does the uh, neck chop 
yeah. kind of uh, motion as if to say, you know, that's it, go for it, take him out. Take her out, yeah. Because the, then, he's obviously, he's he's gesturing towards the hidden Cobra operatives, right? The yeah, Red Ninja, who, sorry. Red Ninja, who have been dressed in this samurai garb and been standing stone statues still inside these glass cases. And then you hear the crash, the smash, he drops the phone, he, uh, he picks it up as he hears her screaming and the crash and all that kind of stuff. So he knows then, and I don't think she's screaming, she's not screaming in terror, she's screaming to alert him. And then that yes. that alerts him to do what, you know, to get ready for what is obviously going to be, uh, you know, that they're coming for him. So she, then you see this beautifully choreographed fight scene where she rolls out of the way of them trying to attack her with the long knives on sticks. I, yeah. Apologies for not knowing the name of that weapon. I should have done my research. She rolls underneath the ninja toe of Arashikagi's sword and then busts through the bottom of it and the glass to then hold it in her hands. And I love that scene. I think that's so cool. It's great. It's great. You know, and they're kind of, they're subtly kind of taken aback a little bit. They weren't expecting it. And they're like, oh boy, we've got a fight on our hands now. And it, yeah, because it's Jinx and she's awesome. And then obviously you see the um, a helicopter waiting for Zartan, who it turns out to be, it's not an old man with a with grey beard. Um, yep. The red ninjas on the roof waiting for him. He starts to phase back into what he normally looks like. That they take off, and then you see on his laptop, you see the the address of the the number that he managed to tap into when yep. she made the phone call, and they fly off to go, you know, attack Storm Shadow. Was that his plan all along? His plan was entice someone of the Arashikage clan to the museum. Yep, and then he knew they would place a phone call yep. to Storm Shadow that he could trace that's the ingenious idea yes unless storm shadow turned up at the museum and, and he could just have... take him out there and then obviously they, the, that would have been that you know the con- this would have been a contingency i suppose that that turned out to be the plan that they needed to go with because storm shadow wasn't the one that went there but yeah and then obviously we see jinx take their guys out like easily like cuts into all three of them in three panels below that all of their clothes fall off and they're dead red ninjas and then as all of the guards come in and you've got the alarm going off as well, she whips the sword into its into its scabbard and then runs yep. out, uh, jumps on a motorbike and tries to host back to Storm Shadow. Now, he is already in his, his version 2 garb, ready to defend the martial arts centre. And lo and behold, and I love, I just love the visuals of the helicopter, whoop, 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 like, you know, kind of like coming yeah. around and everything. It's just so beautiful. They're kind of attacking on multiple uh, fronts here. So a load of them are dropped onto the rooftop. Yeah. And then a few of them are scaling down with climbing apparatus down the side of the windows. Some have come in, uh, where's that? Oh, that's from the rooftop coming down the door. And um, it's yeah, just it's, just, it's just like, how's he going to get out of this? And of course, he's he's got a compound bow, which we haven't seen from him before, I don't think. No, this is this because uh, this is Storm Shadow. That is. Yeah, this is the yeah. new oh, okay. he came with. Yep. Right, right. And it's just amazing how he just takes. I just, it just, I love the sequence then of them crashing through the windows. The helicopter pilot getting killed by Storm Shadow. He's like takes out one of the main threats first. Then he has to deal with the two guys that are shooting at him. He gets rid of those guys easily. Then there's another guy outside. He hears the kachunk of the Uzi that he's about to use. Throws his sword from distance. And it goes through the fire door and kills the guy on the other side. And it's just yep. amazing. Like, all of the 
visuals i just i can't get enough of this comic i think this yeah. is one of my favorite comics of joe and yeah. then with the helicopter crashing on the street below but it opens the front and you can see like a van like just slowly emerging in that panel yeah. so it's like very I, subtle i wish i wish uh, zartan had come with several different vehicles one being this vw camper and one being the bus that he that he had that he drove inside one of these aspids before yeah I yeah two vehicles that he's had to drive inside this aspid and uh he's I always got he a should... backup plan zartan hasn't he yeah i wish someone would do a custom there's any anyone out there who's listening who does customs or knows people that do customs can uh can they do a uh zartan vw camper and then uh post it online so i can Re- look at it report back to us report back and obviously, yeah, there is a van coming out of it. It's Zartan. That's where he is, and he's got his bow and arrow. Obviously, Storm Shadow rushes to get his sword back, pulls it out, looks at the open door, or looks at the door behind him because it's opened. Again, this is like the the beauty of each kind of subtle manoeuvre in each panel because on the first panel, the door's closed. The second panel, it's open, so he knows someone's coming to the door. The lights are still out, obviously. Um, Zartan's putting his headphones on, and he's, he's trying to do the mimic heartbeat type yeah. Uh, thing with his bow um on the top of his van the red the red ninjas walk in and trip over the dead bodies that are already in there one of which is hiding storm shadow <laughs> yeah because if you look closely here uh, the red ninjas all have something strapped to their chests and this is i guess identifiers for zartan yeah um so he knows where all his guys are and anyone who is not emitting one of these um uh, beeps or pings uh, he knows will be storm shadow so storm shadow yoinks one doesn't he as he fights with another dude yeah and again the fight sequences are gorgeous um yeah and you can see him he rips he, he grabs it on his chest and just kicks him away to the edge of the window and that's where the the, the red ninja is like oh no as he's touching his chest like oh my god and that's when zartan unleashes his, his arrow takes out the guy at the window and it's a red his red ninja and then it's like so Zartan escapes, you see Jinx turn up, and then this another beautiful panel of Storm Shadow flipping out of the top window onto the roof of a car and then hopping yeah, onto the back of Jinx's bike. It's like it would have been a little bit ridiculous him jumping straight out onto his balls onto the uh yeah. onto the bike seat. So this is like a little bit cooler, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's very, very filmic this this issue. Oh, you know, I can time. imagine this as, you know, a scene from a movie or or a TV show. It's it's really really dynamic storytelling and like you, you've mentioned a couple of times the way it flows together and the panel sequences and the ability to tell a really coherent story without uh, any dialogue is is a fantastic skill and hats off to paul ryan here for he's done a fantastic job great job and then obviously you've got the the chase begins on bike and camper van uh, they're both aiming at each other with their bows, but Zartan gets his shot off first and kind of damages all of the arrows that Storm Shadow has. So it, with one shot, which is amazing. Um, they're getting to the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. He fires another arrow, Zartan, and this is genius. I love this. Storm Shadow grabs it in mid-flight, flips it round, and uses it against him, Fires, but fires it through the back window and takes out the driver. Yeah. And that, in turn like has the camper van go straight off the side of the bridge and into the drink and it's like that's it that's the end and it's so just absolutely stunning like this yep. is by far and away that my favorite of the silent issues by far 
and it's one of my favourite Joe comics of all time. Cool. High praise indeed. I'm giving, this, I'm giving this a 10 before you even ask me, mate. Wowzers. Okay. 10 from Chris. It uh, has ticked. no... And that, has, that is that is bearing in mind we're ranking this as a two-parter, yeah? Uh, or, or did you want to do 84 and 85 separately? Do you think they're separate enough to rank them separately? If we're doing it as a two-parter, I'm going to go and take it down to nine, but only because the this one bring this second issue brings it up so much do you know what i mean yeah yeah so i'm happy to do either is it just falls into the into the what category it falls into so if we're I ranking think it should be separate. gi joe story arcs is it two separate stories or is it one story i'm happy to do do it as separate or do it as together whatever you feel is best I mean, where do you end? Because I mean, it's not a it's not a definitive two parter because it's not written. This is one story and this is the same story part two. So for me, I would say do them separately because they just have connective tissue, like all of the comics do. So I I think it's difficult. And where do you draw the line? It's probably up to us anyway. So whatever you want to do, mate, I'm going to go whatever you want to do. Personally, I think they should be separate. Fine, perfect with me. What? So you're going to give 85? You're going to give a 10? Absolutely, 100. And what? What are you giving 84? It was an interesting issue. It's got a lot of cool exposition and some good reveals. It's a seven for me. So a seven there. I think I'm going to give 84. I'm going to give uh, an eight. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the top of my chart to see what I've got up there. What nines have I got? I've got the Snake Eyes Origin. I gave a nine. Issues 42 and 43, which is the Ties That Bind and Crossroads. I gave a nine. I, I actually gave Serpentor's introduction a nine. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm going to give this a nine as well. Cool. Well, no, you're not. No, not that you're right because you gave it a ten. I'm giving it a nine. You're giving it a ten. I'm just, you know, I'm just so excited because this is one of the one of those just amazing issues, and the fight sequences are beautiful. The the art is on point. Everything is so meticulously done. Like everything bleeds into each other. You know, each panel is is really important. Each panel, not just each like page. Each panel yeah. is super important, and it's just it it leads this. It's just it's just great to to read to move through the pace is fantastic and it's just I could go over and over and over this comic so many times and never get bored with it. Yep, good stuff, good stuff. Right, coming out of reading Joe comics, uh, there's only one thing we can do, and that's we now have to talk about toys. So it's time for Chris talks toys. Chris talks toys. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, okay, so obviously all of this like hyperbole over Storm Shadow version two and of and I should say version three in the UK because he was released twice prior to this. Same figure, but one was a Palatoy card and one was an uh, Action Force card. So, uh, an Action Force Cobra, I should say. Now, version two, Storm Shadow, that's who we're talking about today. And again, I'm going to bring up the trip to the United States when I was a youngster, uh, nine years old, eight years old, sorry, in 89. And basically, this Storm Shadow figure was on the on, on the shelves. Now, I hadn't been keeping up with the Marvel comic, obviously, in the US, because I couldn't. I'd known, I'd known Storm Shadow through the stories in the Action Force comics and thought he was a bad guy the whole time. There was the, Obviously, the backstory was more complex and that was starting to come through, but in general, in the Action Force comics, Storm Shadow was a bad guy. And when I, I go into the aisle and I pick this Storm Shadow figure off the card and, and I, I, it didn't really dawn on me until I turned it round and saw that the, the Storm Shadow bio card had G.I. Joe underneath it. 
as opposed to Cobra. And I was like, what? Storm Shadow's a good guy? So I read the bio, and it didn't... It, I mean, I'll read the bio out now on, you know, while, while we are recording. And it says... Storm Shadow served with Snake Eyes in Southeast Asia, and both of them later studied the secret arts of ninjutsu with Storm Shadow's family, a ninja clan that could trace its history back through 30 generations of assassins. Unhinged by the murder of his uncle and mentor, he infiltrated Cobra seeking revenge, but found vengeance to be a poor substitute for life. Now in semi-retirement at a remote mountain hideaway, he occasionally takes on a special mission or two if Snake Eyes asks him nicely. So I'm re- I read that and I'm like wow so now i'm thinking like there's a lot of info in there that is being left out like how is he gi joe all of a sudden after being so like a bad guy all this time so there was a huge confusion in my head and obviously i had the american carded version before i even like before the you know i didn't get the gi joe action for the gi joe the action force carded storm shadow version we got in the uk um the bio cards are exactly the same there's only one difference and that's a spelling difference so i get really kind of geeky with the cards and we would often change you know spellings because obviously the american spellings and in this one it's conjurer so conjurer is with an o at the end for the us and an e at the end for us in the uk so very minor change but everything else is exactly the same more or less apart from he had gi joe under him on the us card and gi joe the action force under him for for the uk card so yes he's still a good guy in both versions and I was just, like, blown away by this. And for one thing, looking at the figure, right, I mean, it's beautiful. The update is just one of the best updated versions of a character of all time. So you go from this really cool, sleek, white ninja to what is effectively a much better head sculpt, in my opinion. I think the the, the head sculpt on the original figure is is a little bit kind of goofy. You know, it's a little bit kind of like, I don't know, that the shape of the head's a little bit funny to me. It looks a bit weird. But this one is spot on because they've kind of padded out the hood a little bit. So you've got this hood over his mask. And the digital camo was just so striking. It was just this, this dark grey Tetris pieces all over the white. Um, you know the, the the classic white storm shadow so it's yeah. still storm shadow because he's still in his all white but you've got this beautiful deco the additional sculpted kind of rope that goes across his chest as well the sculpted pouches along the bottom of his waist the shorter sleeves which have been sculpted as well to kind of like they're a bit looser and the one thing i have to mention on this is the tattoo on his right arm the arashikagi symbol is out there on show in red. So it's like they're playing up the Arashikagi element in the comics. They've put it on the figure. And all of a sudden, like, it just opened up these questions for me. Like, I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, oh, my (laughs) God, there's a tattoo on his arm. And, like, it was just, as a kid, like, this stuff is mind-blowing on an action figure. When you've got these, like, little tampos and stuff on there, it just blows my mind. Uh, On top of that, his, his accessory loadout is just amazing bright red backpack with kind of three prongs on this one side so you can slide the bright red sword in there so he can carry his sword on his backpack so again massive props to the toy designers for being able to give him the accessories and he can carry everything the other amazing things he came with obviously the compound bow which was the first time we'd seen him with that and it was like, oh my god, this is a be- again really cool compound bow. It does not doesn't work, but it's like it's enough de- it's enough detail in there to make it look really cool. 
and the other thing which was the three-pronged wolverine claw which clips to is is the beautifully the, the way they've sculpted the arms with that lower sleeve kind of looping around means yep. that the the claw could lock in really nicely in the space on both wrists so he can he can basically hold all of his equipment with, like all together at once so for me like the the figure itself was just mind blowing but then on top of that the card art is again just some of the most beautiful card art of all time on a gi joe figure because one he's pulling this really cool pose like he's he's kind of twisted around so he's like standing side on but then he's turned his body to face you almost and he's and he's pulling back on the compound bow the the tattoo is there like on show like really clear they've even you know like his big like saggy <laughs> wizard sleeve kind of scenarios going on uh yeah. the the camo looks gorgeous everything about this toy carded figure is just beautiful and then obviously later on in in the day i discover the comic and that's where i see oh this is why this is happening and he's got this new gear and this new get-up. And, yeah, one of my all-time favourite G.I. Joe figures. They've done it in the modern era. They've done this figure, like, they've homaged it in the Rise of Cobra movie line. They've done it in the Sideshow uh, kind of 12-inch scale, which is gorgeous, and I have that too. Uh, they didn't go with the digital camo on that figure. They went with kind of like a more scratchy kind of camo. But, again, it's it's still beautiful and one of my favourite of my Storm Shadow collectibles. Uh, yeah, just I've got nothing but praise for this original version. It's one of my favourite figures of all time, and I love him, love him, love him. Good stuff, good stuff. We'll uh, stick up some pictures up on the um, socials so people can be reminded how cool that is. We have got a special treat for listeners right now because we have got our fourth annual, maybe? Don't know. Anyway, it's our fourth awards uh, show where we will be covering several categories from the comic for 1987 and 1988. That is issues 55 through 81. So we have our first guest presenter. presenters, Quinton. Quinton, I'll come and see you later. Oi, security, get those dreadnoughts out of here right now. Great, they can smell the grape soda. Get them out. Uh, hi Brad, how you doing? Uh, nice to see you. Um, so the first uh, category we will be covering is best cover from 1987 to 1988. So a lot of good ones to choose from here. Mm. Uh, I was struggling a little bit, but I did. I, I narrowed it down to I have a honourable mention, um, yeah. and that is going to be uh, issue 63, which <laughs> is Snake Eyes and Scarlet going through the minefield. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that is. I think that's a Michael Golden cover. Danger minefield. Um, they've got their weapons, and I like the way that Snake Eyes' left arm is kind of his hand is out, kind of just yeah, you know, sensing wary. You know, yeah, yeah. Be careful, motion. Good one. That seventy five is probably the most iconic, uh, which is the one where Baroness is strapped onto the front of the hiss. Yeah, but I haven't actually gone for that one. My, my runner up is issue fifty four. Okay, which is Flint parachuting in. Uh, there's a mm. fire bat in the background which is shooting at him. Another uh, good Cobra one. Cobra ter- ter- uh, on the ground. And actually, the Conquest is going down in the background. Really like that one. But my top choice and the winner 
is issue 74 oh, good. cover. And that is a, it's kind of a dynamic action sequence. You've got Serpentor being strangled by Fred Seven in the foreground. Baroness kind of oh, with yeah, a gun yeah. looking a bit worried. And then uh, Hawk is face palming Destro, who has got a sword out and is grappling with Hawk. Awesome. What about yourself, sir? Where, where were you well, slinging the awards? I only picked one because uh, I didn't go for the old rule of mentions. Uh, I was unaware of all the extras. And I didn't use my initiative to do so. But I do agree with a lot of your uh, choices there. I think there's some absolute belters. But my one, and amazingly, I thought you were going to say it. And I was like, oh, please don't say it. It's uh, issue 61. And it's beginnings and endings, the story. And it's uh, on the cover, it's Stalker, Snowjob and Quick Kick. And they're being, they're basically in like the gulag. They've got the light on them, the spotlight on them. They're being shot at and they're returning fire. Quick Kick's injured. And there's like all of the, you know, the shots kind of raining down on them. And I mean, just for me, it's really dynamic. It's really, it's really powerful. It's really action packed. And, you know, there's a lot of work, like I'm worried about, you know, is quick kick okay? Like, oh my God. So there's, you know, a lot going on. And there's that subtle element in the top left hand corner behind the Marvel sign and behind the G.I. Joe logo. Uh, And it's the the barbed wire fence. Yeah. the, The top of that and the blue kind of like almost like evening sky and then the black of the of the walls that they're kind of uh, kind of stuck behind and i just i just think it's just a very beautiful well done and very very action-packed cover sounds good sounds good where do you want to go next um just to let people know we the other categories we've got our best artist best joe best issue and best vehicle we'll do that way best artist yeah? next yep okay so the bulk of the issues here are done by either rod wiggum or ron wagner there's a couple done by tony sammons and there's some done by marshall rogers as well so you can go first here, my friend. Uh, for me, actually, it's a, it's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a funny one because it's really just down to, well, not down to do the fact, but I've met the guy, and that's Ron Wagner. I really like his style. I think it's um, really, really kind of just awesome. And I think when he is inked and draw and coloured well, it's some of the best art that that you know kind of going. So I'd have to say Ron Wagner for me on that one. And again meeting him in person he's lovely he's really cool and hopefully i'll get to meet him again in november for uh, assembly required excellent uh yep i'm gonna actually agree with you there uh i voted rod wiggum for the previous awards i'm i he's possibly my favorite joe artist um uh, but here for this run like you um i'm when he's when he's inked and colored well wagner i think it was a good choice of Marvel because they didn't choose an artist to follow Wiggum who was wholeheartedly different. Yeah. It's a similar-ish style, but there's clearly enough of a difference that you can differentiate between the two. And I think he did some really, really strong issues here, um, all the way from towards the beginning of this uh, run of issues all the way through to Cobra Civil War and yeah, did a, did a bang-on job. So Ron Wagner for me as well. Awesome. Next, we're going to uh, favourite Joe from this era. And Dusty was on the short list, but he's only got, I think, one or possibly two issues of of airtime, so he didn't make it. I am going to give my honourable mention to one of my favourite Joes of all time, which is Stalker. Nice. I am going to give my runner-up to Outback, who crops up in uh, issue 59, which is a cool issue where he's kind of... uh, That's where Tunnel and the other guys are going cross-country 
and he's been out in the woods or the forest living off no yeah. he, he chucked away all his uh all his uh regulation equipment because he said it was rubbish and was breaking and just lived off the land yeah and then yeah. obviously he plays a big role in that uh barovia storyline massive uh, yeah. but my actual my favorite joe from this period is actually flint Oh, nice. And he, he's got that issue in 54 where he, well, it's not actually him, is it Snake Eyes who gets parachuted in under the guise of being Flint. Yeah. But he, you know, plays a role in that storyline. And then he's kind of with Scarlet and Snake Eyes on the beach where they fake their own death. And uh, he gets punched out later by Lady J, which I thought was a bit, you know, I thought that was a bit out of out of uh, character. Not out of character for her, but a bit of out of order for her punching him. But yeah, Flint... Um, uh, for me, on the winner for favourite Joe. Oh, cool. Uh, for me, um, Outback. You mentioned him, and he. I just think it like he was so pivotal in the Barovia story, and like had to go through quite a lot with the other Joes, especially not knowing the full extent of what had happened in Barovia. So for you know him to go through that and be as like solid as a rock as he was, I just thought was really cool. And then you know when they all like return and then you know it's that kind of really emotional moment and everything but in any case it's out back for me because a he's a brilliant character anyway and i just really liked how he was done in the comics and uh, especially that that run so yeah for me it's uh, out back okay uh, i'm going to flip flop these two so we leave issue as the final award because that's probably one of the biggies so let's do best vehicle from this period and i didn't actually state this when i told you with such short notice last week of this category it's actually vehicles that were introduced during this run oh so i don't know if that affects your choice possibly but for this awards only i'm vetoing that and saying it's any vehicle okay cool that appears in these issues so go ahead what what is your what's your favorite vehicle from these from these issues then mine was the cobra mamba yep that's that's uh i'm taking that that's absolutely fine because i mean it's just an incredible like piece of work and the fact that it's got two lots of blooming you know uh helicopter blades and they don't touch each other <laughs> when yeah. they're when they're i just think it's brilliant uh it's got like, some cool bits especially when they go the joes are going to cobra island and yeah, they're all crammed yeah. in in the pods yeah it's just re- it's just really i for me it's an iconic vehicle air vehicle for the cobra and they use it so often so often it's always like you know, when you've got an aspid, you've got like two mambas. You know, that's that seems to be the uh, the ratio of helicopters yeah. for uh, for Cobra, and it's just a beauty. How about yourself? So vehicle, this this was a tough one. I am, I've got two honourable mention runner ups, and and they're purely based on. They're only in a couple of issues each, and it's purely from a visual standpoint. And that is the Cobra Wolf. Nice. Which is that called? The, that's what the Ice Viper drives. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and because that's in uh, the Frusian Land two part, which I think is sixty issue sixty seven and sixty eight. Awesome. Vehicle. And we see that uh, I never had any of these vehicles. I'm about to mention. So I had that my, one. My, I had that my one only reference point for them is the comics but um it just looked really cool and was it a good vehicle as well then? amazing so many yep. little features cool little cockpits two little yep. kind of cockpit windows yeah really really awesome yeah that's probably my runner-up my honorable mention was the demon oh nice which again i've never seen in real life only only experienced in the comic and it, it kind of cropped up for a few issues in that cobra civil war when destro rolls them down the beach yeah uh, but my favorite is the x30 conquest Ooh, um because that's quite a, quite a few good issues it also crops up in that special missions we read yeah but you, you know i kind of like like that dynamic of they had the sky striker was the kind of air superiority aircraft for the joes for so long it was nice to kind of get a, a second 
fighter plane to go alongside that. I forget the real life. It's basically this prototype plane that they made that was the the real life um, kind of inspiration for Guy Cassaday, who designed the X thirty Conquest. Another right. lovely guy. I've I've had him interviewed on the show before, but he's he's also quite a good friend of mine now. He's really like a Hasbro legend. He designed the Rolling Thunder, the six wheel drive Desert Fox, the uh, Persuader. He even got his name on the Persuader, but you know, like I All think right. it says if you look at the, it's like a sticker that goes on like the front panels at the front of the Persuader. It says it's like C A five five or whatever, but it's like Cassaday. Um, in like numbers and letters so you managed to sneak that one in there but nice. the yeah like the, as you say the um the x30 conquest he's he actually when i met him for the first time face to face at hascon he signed he basically gave me a signature he signed this um it was just a bit of paper but he drew he wrote his like because he, he was giving me his number and like uh details for doing the show and so he wrote down this bit of paper, then then drew like sketched out the X thirty conquest above it, nice. and gave me that as like like the for his his contact details. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. So I've basically got that. I haven't got it framed, but I'll take a picture of it and uh, and send yeah, it up for, do, for Twitter. Do. Yeah, it's a beauty. Good stuff. And I'll blur out his uh, contact information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. So rounding out, then let's go for favorite issue from this run. I had I couldn't split between uh, honorable mentions and runners up, so I'm actually going to give you three. I've got issue eighty, which is one we read last week, which was right. on the on the uh, in the Gulf, that island popping up, really like that. Issue sixty five, which is where it's an interlude in the Barovia storyline. It's where Cobras go up into space, Baroness and Fred Seven, and it's the first issue where all is going wrong around him. The Baroness has been knocked unconscious, and and suddenly Fred Seven has to kick into gear and proves to be a leader of men. Yeah. And I really, really like the, the dynamic and the way that's done. And issue 55 is Unmaskings. It's mm. where the pit has gone down and it's where Destro and Cobra Commander, the original, uh, have to escape and basically get doled up in some, some funky gear. And it's where Cobra Commander decides he's going to forget about... He's got No, he realises his son's still alive and he's thinking about forgetting a life of crime. Yeah. But my winner is issue 73 is my favourite issue. So it's the, it's the first issue of the Cobra Civil War storyline. It's the one... So the prologue is 72, where the Star Viper infiltrates the pit, etc. Yeah, and then 73 one. is where it all kicks off and where the, the team's first... Uh, Joe's get sent to the island. You get a lot of sneak peek, and you know it's where all the teams get broken up, and you get the yeah. roll calls. And within three pages, Cobra Commander uh, Fred Seven and, and Serpentor uh, <laughs> at each other's throats. They've you know separated the the the, the teams or the lines of Cobra. Uh, you get the map and all that kind of stuff. Just it's a hell for leather. Uh, start to finish fantastic cracking issue that, that makes you want to carry on reading the whole storyline oh totally it's a belter for me actually it's close to that it's 75 and it's the holding actions issue and, and for, i mean for for one it's the one with uh Serpentor and the baroness on the front cover is on the hiss tank and she's tied to it um for one it's the nostalgia connection is pretty strong here because obviously that was the holiday special that i had in the uk uh, that we got randomly and none of the none of the rest of it <laughs> yeah yeah but, um but the story like the the art everything about it is just uh, is, is really solid and even though general hawk changes costumes magically 
I wasn't aware of the that situation at the time. So for me, it's just one of those one of those issues. It's always going to be high on a pedestal because it's one of the few GI Joe stories that I was kind of open to it, or knew of at the time, and absolutely bloody love it. So yeah, that's uh, yep. that's for me. Good stuff. Thanks everyone for attending in the crowd. We appreciate uh, you. Will be at the after party later. Uh, Zorana, I've got my eye on you. Road uh, pig, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and what, eyes in the back of my head, looking out for that clown. Well, he's not a clown. He's a good guy. You're a good guy, road pig. I don't want to get Donald. Donald. Donald's a good guy. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, we will do another awards show covering 1989 and 1990 in a few weeks' time, and I'll be sure to brief Chris well ahead of schedule uh, (laughs) and not just spring it on him at the last minute. Before we do close out the show, we've gone a bit long today, but uh, that's fine because we had a lot to cover and it's been good fun. Uh, There is some business we have to take care of, and that uh, revolves around... Chief Ask Chris a question. Chief Ask Chris a question. What'll he say? What'll he do? Chief Ask Chris a question. So last week, prior to the show, I bought some chips from the local fish and chip shop. So on my way home today, I decided I'm going to do it again. It's going to be my new thing. Uh, Prior to recording the pod, I'm going to eat some chips. Now, with my chips uh, and with most meals I eat, I'm a big fan of condiments yeah if if you know the chief you know i like condiments now uh, that can range from a big fan of on the chips i like a lot of vinegar salt maybe some cracked black pepper but Mm. condiments also ranging into the sauces so you know if you are going to have to pick two of your favorite condiments uh, what would they be i'm not sure if you'll hate me for this afterwards but um i when i have my chips you're gonna say i'll give you a preface you're gonna say ketchup and mustard no neither of those two Okay, so when I have, when I have chips... I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you even yet again and say this is not limited to just having chips. This is condiments in general okay. eating. But I just want to preface this about chips. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with my chips, I don't but I just have... want to... No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, okay, so with my chips, I don't have salt and vinegar. I usually have them completely, like, you know, untouched because I'll dip them in sauce and that's where the, uh, you know, that's where I'll get my fun, my yep. jive. Now, my favorite all-time condiment is curry sauce okay but i also enjoy honey mustard and mayonnaise so any three of any of those three i will have with my chips and be a very happy man oh or in condiments in general curry sauce is is amazing (laughs) yeah yeah there you go so i'm not do you hate me or not after that no 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 that's a no not at all that's 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 a fair shout and in fact in honour of you, sir, next week when I get my chips, I'm going to get a portion of curry sauce from the Brilliant. Chip shop. Brilliant. I'm glad uh, I could I'll, be uh, an influence. Because uh, I haven't had, I haven't, I haven't had uh, chip shop curry sauce for a long time. So, uh, But if, that's actually a bit weird because when I went into the chip shop um, and ordered a regular chips, two pounds uh, sterling, uh, another woman <laughs> was there and she had come in to collect an order and the guy was recounting to her over the counter what she'd ordered so he was like so that was a three large cods three large chips and a battered sausage and she actually said oh yes and i'd like three pots of curry sauce please so <laughs> that, that's actually ha- that actually happened to me about two hours ago so um it's all Amazing. serendipitous that it, it's it's fate that i get these uh, this curry sauce for my chips next week <laughs> amazing three lots of it yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, there we go. And I'll have another question for Chris next week. And yeah, I, I will not give him any prior warning to what it might be, as always. We should change it to Chris mundanely answers Chief's question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, I don't want to make it uh, all 
Joe related the whole show, um, and, you know, and uh, I'm a big condiments fan. I like to know what other condiments people eat. So people out there, uh, stick it up on the Twitter, on the Instagram, tell us what are your favourite condiments. And that reminds me, yet again, I have failed because I said last week I wanted to do shout-outs, but I'd forgotten to accrue all the information, and I've forgotten yet again. So uh, I'm going to write a note now. I'm going to get my pen here. Chief, pull finger out <laughs> and write list of oh i was gonna say and sniff it and right list of shout outs for next week so they might be a bit old they might be three weeks old when i did the showers but you're going to get them next week uh, and when you do join us next week uh, if you want to do your homework then we will be reading uh we'll be recapping sorry real american hero issues 86 87 88 and special missions 16 so if you want to read along uh, read those if you don't we'll be describing them for you anyway so no worries and with that said you can catch us in all the usual places talking underscore joe on twitter talking joe comics on instagram talking joe comics at gmail.com and talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook where can the good people find you sir if they want to get in touch oh nowhere i've um cancelled all my <laughs> accounts uh, diagnostic 80 that's d-i-a-g-n-o-s-t-i-k 80 don't worry it's the german spelling i'm not being all street and basically yes that's uh, instagram it's other things twitter um but also full force uh, podcast can be found on podbean itunes stitcher youtube facebook twitter just type in the full force podcast or the full force and i'm sure you'll find us you should recognize the logo it's very similar to the action force one but don't tell anyone that owns the ip like hasbro yeah. thanks <laughs> cool um so with that said we will catch you down the road bye